How many people tonight, you want more of God inside of your life? Yeah. And it's like, a, it's, it's an interesting statement because we, many to, we make that statement quite, quite a lot of times in our Christian walk. Here, we want more of God in my life. We want more of God. We want greater anointing, greater, greater levels. But I believe that God wants us not to just take us to another level in God, but he wants to take us, the Holy Spirit wants to take us to another dimension, to another complete realm of living uh, in our lives, amen? And uh, what does it mean to have more of God in our life? And we talked about this the other week, but, uh, but this is one of the things that, uh, first and foremost, you and I are called as Christians, that we are first and foremost to become Christ-like and um, be like Christ, to be able to, to be imitators of Christ, not necessarily imitators of somebody else, but imitators of Christ. And, uh, and, and Jesus Christ might not be here physically and present right now, but the Bible says that the Word was, uh, was God that was made flesh. Jesus was the Word made flesh and who walked and dwelt among us. So uh, the fact that we have his Word here this evening means that we have Jesus Christ in this place. Because we have his Word, because we have his presence, I mean, God is here right now. But we want to have more of God in our lives, amen? Because we need to, we've got to have more of God, not just for ourselves, not just for our own, um, own personal development, our own, uh, our own spiritual walk, but we need more of God in our lives so that our community will be changed. Amen? Amen? Because you and I are God's ambassadors. We are, you are God's ambassadors, called specifically by God, called specifically by name to be a representative, to be an ambassador of him into our community. And, uh, and people don't necessarily read the Bible, but they'll read you and I. And people won't necessarily uh, have face-to-face encounters with Jesus, but they'll have face-to-face encounters with you and I. And so you and I are called to be, be like Christ, be Christ-like, to be ambassadors of Christ. So to be uh, ambassadors of Christ and to have more of Christ, we're going to have more of God in our lives. So what does that look like to have more of God in our life? And, uh, and if you look at... It doesn't, you could talk to a whole different bunch of people and you'll find that everyone you talk to will have a different idea of what it means or what it looks like to have more of God in my life. And uh, some people uh, will, will bring it out that you, it's, a, it's, an, it's, based, uh, it's based predominantly on the experiences. But I want to tell you, and I want to ask you this question, what will it look like for you to have more of God in your life? Is it, and, and it's very, very easy that we can, we can blow this statement into, into this incredible um, way out there uh, piece of information that is very, very hard to get our heads around. It. But I want to tell you tonight, to have more of God in your life is actually not that difficult. It's, it's actually not a huge process. It's not, a, uh, it, it's, it's not a such a complex um, thing that only, elite, only a few, elite few can have. Every one of us is called to have more of God in our life. And the Bible's, so I've been asking myself this question, what does it mean to have more of God in my life? How will I know if there's, when there's more of God in there? How will you know when there's more of God inside of your life? Uh, what would it feel like? What would it look like? What would, what would it be like for you to have more of God inside of your life? And uh, so we, we talked about this the other week. In, this, in the scripture here, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's talking to us about, about Christ living inside of us. And uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Everybody say Christ. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to somehow comprehend with all the saints, all the other churches, all the, uh, all the whole body of Christ, um, what is the, the width, the length, and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ. Everybody say to know the love of Christ. One more time, to know the love of Christ. 
To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. In other words, it's, it's in front of knowledge. It's a, it's, a, it's, a more, it's a more important thing to have. It says here, to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everybody say, all the fullness of God. Okay, well, I'll just say it a little bit more. Uh, it's like you really want that. All the fullness of God. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I like that. <laughs> That's lovely. All the fullness of God. What an incredible statement that you and I, could, you and I as, uh, as human beings, could be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. What an incredible thing. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, sometimes I, like to go, I love to go out in the farm and out into, uh, out into the wild at night time and just look at, uh, look at the stars, look at the universe, and, and think, man, they, they, God knows every one of these stars by name. And uh, you watch the shooting stars going across, and you watch um, that every day that, you know, some stars die and some stars are born again. And to know that my God knows every one of those stars by name and holds them all in perfect balance, uh, it, it blows my mind. And that such a God like that would want to come and dwell in my heart, and such a God like this would want to come and dwell in your heart, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think, wow, here's somebody like me, that God here wants to come and put all his fullness inside of. There's some people here, there's people here tonight, all of you here tonight, are people that God wants to put his fullness inside, not just a little bit, not just a little incy-wincy bit, but God wants to put all his fullness inside of your life. What would it be like to have all the fullness of God inside of your life? Most people immediately will think, got the power. <laughs> people have a fascination with power. People have a fascination, everywhere you go, people have a fascination with power. More power here, more power there. And it's great that we can have, we need the power of God. But what is more important to have the, just the power of God or to have the fullness of God? There's so much, there's so much to God that's all, uh, it's hard to comprehend, but when my Bible says here that there's an opportunity for me to be filled with all the fullness of God, I'm looking at that and saying, yeah, I, I want that. And uh, let me ask you, when you're filled with the, the fullness of God, um, what would that look like? How would that be? And, and like I said, most, many people have, have different, uh, different views on how that would look like. But I thought, well, if it's, if it's in the Bible, then uh, it doesn't really, really matter what view you have, as long as it lines up with this, uh, it's cool. And I was thinking, when I read this part here, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the knowledge of, or, or the, uh, the fullness of God. Friends, it's okay to have knowledge. I mean, a lot of people in Christian, world, in Christian circles uh, know a lot of things. <laughs> We're good at knowing a lot of things. We're good at, I mean, the, even the devil knows a lot of things. The, the, the devil knows a lot of the Bible. He probably know, he knows the Bible better than you and I do. Yeah, he does. The devil knows a lot of things about the Word of God. And so a lot of, a lot of people project their fullness or their spirituality of God by how much they know. But actually, it's good to know things. We've got to, he, doesn't, he doesn't bag knowing things. We've got to have a, a knowledge and an understanding. But there's something that passes knowledge. There's something that passes their power. It's, there's something that passes um, even the capacity to walk on water, the power to walk through walls, the power to call fire from heaven, the power to, uh, to, to, to shift mountains. There's, there's something stronger than the power to do all of that. That's to know the love of Christ. <laughs> the Bible says um, that we can have the faith to shift mountains. We can have faith to, um, to do all these sorts of things. But we do not, if we don't have the love, we haven't got nothing. 
and uh, we can have we can be able to prophesy mysteries from heaven. We could uh, we, we could explore all these incredible things. But if we don't have love, we actually don't have nothing. And uh, it's not small ways. It's what the Bible says. It says really, really important that you and I, first of all, first and foremost, have and know the love of God inside of our life. And uh, so I was thinking about that. What is the fullness of God? What is the love of Christ? And is it is it um, is it this? Is it that? And so I started to I started to start to read my Bible a little bit more and find out what is the love of Christ. And how many people want some revelation tonight? How many people want some revelation tonight? Yeah, come on. We're going to have some revelation tonight. So saying, God, give me revelation on this. God, give me revelation on your love. And uh, what is revelation? Somebody tell me what revelation is. Sorry? Eureka? Yeah? What's revelation? Taking the cover off, yeah? Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. There's, uh, I mean, there's lots of, uh, there's, uh, there's probably different, different ways we could look at revelation, but the way I'm saying revelation is hearing the, voice, hearing the words of God. When God speaks, that is revelation. When God speaks to you and I, that is, that is revelation. And uh, so I thought, God, give me a revelation of your love. And uh, I tell you what, revelation, incredible thing. The whole Bible's full of revelation. I thought, well, let's go and find me some revelation. Let's go and find me, some pla- find me a place where it talks about the love of God. And... Uh, and so I felt God simply say, look at the red parts. <laughs> wow. How deep is that? Look at the red parts. I mean, I could, I could stand up here and dazzle you with all sorts of spooky sorts of revelation, but it, and I, was, I was sort of expecting something like that from God, but it was like, well, just look at the red parts. And uh, what, what are the red parts? He said, well, red, the red parts in the Bible are the words of Christ. I think, well, there's a good place to start. There's a good bit of revelation for you. If you need some revelation inside your life, open up the Bible and look at the red parts. There you have it, revelation. The words of God himself to you and I, revelation. Turn to the person next to you, tell them to look at the red parts and get some revelation. So here we go. We're going to have a look at the red parts of the Bible tonight. The revelation. Yeah, come on. To know the love of Christ. And, and the whole concept of the love of Christ, I mean, like, like the scripture just said, who, who can comprehend the, the height or the width or the depth or the, or, or the, or the breadth of the love of Christ? It's a, it's a phenomenal thing that it, it can be very, very, it could get very, very uh, hard to, to get our heads around. But tonight we want to get around some very, very simple applications to that because uh, these, and these are the words of Christ. And, uh, and, uh, this could be some hard stuff to swallow, but it is the words of, words of Christ. Uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 6 and uh, in verse 31, it says, and Jesus says, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. It's a good place to start. These are words of Christ. And uh, Jesus also said, um, he also told, he, he gives two, great, two greatest commandments. Anyone knows what? Know what they are. Love, the what? And the second is just like it. Love, who's your neighbor? <laughs> you know, first of all, friends, we've got to get this concept in our lives in the church. Um, I mean, the world needs this, 
the world needs to experience the love of Christ, but we must first be active in this in, our, in this church to our own brethren amongst the church here. Uh, and it says here, just as you want people to do to you, do to them likewise. How many people you like people to bless you? Yeah, it's a great thing to have. But how many are actually actively involved in actually blessing other people? Everybody wants somebody something for themselves, but. How, how often are we proactive in actually being a blessing? The Bible says that, uh, God said that, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And uh, a lot of people walk around saying, bless me, bless me. But ask, ask yourself this question, how often do I bless somebody? How, how often do I bless uh, a person? And he goes on to say, if you love, but if you love those who love you, that's an easy thing to do. I mean, most people here find, I mean, I find it really easy to love people who love me. I find it easy to be nice to people who are nice to me. And Jesus goes on to say, well, he goes, basically, that's an easy thing to do, to love people who love you. I mean, he says, and then he goes on to say, even, even the world are good at that. I mean, you, you think in the church being nice to somebody who's nice to you is an incredible thing. So that's, that's good, but even people in the world uh, are good to people that are good to them. But we're going, to be, we're going to be different to the world. See, the Bible, Pastor Steve was talking about this morning that we are the light of the world. The Bible also says that we are the salt of the earth. We've got to be different. We've got to stand out. We've got to be something that's uh, be in the world but not of the world. We've got to be uh, a blessing but not just with um, uh, clauses around it that will bless people or not be nice to people that are nice to me. And uh, we're often very, very good at that. We're, we like to bless people and be nice to people that are nice to us. But the, Jesus goes on to say, look, don't think you're so good doing that, because even the people in the world can do that to each other. And so if you're just going to be nice to people that are nice to you, if you're going to be just kind to people that are kind to you, wow, <laughs> what a changed life. He says, we've got to be a little bit different than that. We've got to be able to learn to love and be kind and be nice to the people that often rub us up the wrong way. The Bible talks about their enemies, but... I was just thinking about enemies. I don't really have a lot of enemies. So in fact, I don't have any enemies at all uh, in regards to people. There's people that I don't like. There's people that get on my nerve. There's people that uh, annoy me. There's people that offend me. Yeah, yeah. And it's those people. Yeah, it's those people. How kind, how generous, how nice am I to those people that, first of all, Amongst my own, amongst their own, our own church, you know, not just this church, but the, the the wider body of Christ. I mean, even people in other churches, people annoy me, people hack me off, and but even though they're from another church, doesn't mean that they're not part of the same body of Christ. It's like we're just talking about our own family here. First of all, there's people amongst us ourselves. That, there's different ones. You annoy, you annoy each other, <laughs> but. If you're only nice to the people that are nice to you, how different is that to the world? When you're out in the world, how nice? How are you going to be able to bless people? How are you going to be able to be different if you're only kind to people that are kind to you? I mean, this is, this is an incredible revelation here. I mean, I'm not going to try and dazzle you and stuff, but these are the words of Christ. And this is something that's very real to, to so many people, how, how, often we're, how often we're so prejudiced in our own thinking, prejudiced in our own heart that we're only good to people that are good to us. And he goes on to say, but in verse 35, but love your enemies. Love those people that hack you off. Love those people that 
uh, annoy you. Love those people that throw knives at you. Love those people that offend you. And, and he says, do good and lend. And he says, therefore, in verse 36, be merciful. Here's something. Uh, here's one of the first steps of having to know the love of Christ in your life. So when you have some of these things in your life, this is a, this is a good starting grip base for you to have the fullness of God in your life. Is to, first of all, be kind to people that annoy you. <laughs> love people that annoy you. And it's not dazzling revelation, but it's the words of Christ, and it's the, it's the benchmark. It's, the, it's, it's, the step, it's one of the first steps to having the fullness of God inside of your life is your capacity to be able to love people, to be kind to people, to be able to be generous to people that you don't like or are mean to you. And that can be a very, very tough thing to do sometimes. And then the next one, next one he goes here, verse 36, be merciful. Every one of us here today, will have, uh, unless you live in a cocoon somewhere, um, all of us have the, uh, will be offended in, 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 at some point in our lives. All of us will have the, uh, uh, will be hurt. Somebody will do something to us that will maybe offend us or annoy us or something that deserves judgment or something, something that deserves punishment or something that deserves retribution from the Lord upon their lives. Every one of us will experience that point there. The funny thing is we, we're, we're funny creatures, you know. Um, you, you know, with, with one hand, one day we could be slapping our brother, but the next day we can have that same hand up worshipping uh, Jesus Christ who made that brother. <laughs> one day we're on our knees. God have mercy, Lord, I'm a sinner. All up. Maybe up the front of church, God, have forgiveness inside of my heart. God, forgive me, God. I need your mercy upon him, my life. And next thing you know, some brother offends us, somebody does and we want God to call fire down from heaven and to, um, to deal with the situation. <laughs> Lord, send your angels in to deal with the situation. Sort their life out, Lord God. <laughs> oh, this is some funny paradoxes that we live in. Some of the, some of the things we do, it's, it's an incredible thing. But I was thinking here, he says here, be merciful. Every one of us has the opportunity. You have op- more opportunities than you could ever, uh, I reckon, ever be aware of that you can show mercy to somebody. Not just um, the person that's sitting next to you, but also people in the community as well. First and, for- you know, we, first and foremost, we need to show mercy to our own, our own family. But we also need to show mercy uh, to the community that we live in. And uh, so I don't really care if you've got the power to walk on water. If you are unable to extend mercy to somebody, let alone your brother, your, your faith means nothing to me. Ooh, I don't hear any amens there. <laughs> yeah. Be merciful. Just as your Father in heaven is also merciful to you. Every one of us at some point stand up on the front here and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, have mercy upon me. Mm. if we're unable to extend that same mercy to other people, it doesn't matter how many, you know, the, you know Jesus talks, you know, I can't remember where it says, but Jesus talks about you know, how many times can a man be forgiven? How many times can uh, the mercy of God, does the mercy of God ever run out for your life? Does the mercy of God ever run out for my life? For many times, though, our mercy tank's only about that high. It's only just a, a little dribble and it's all gone. Steve. <laughs> Ask yourself that question. How big is that mercy tank inside of my life? 
It's not huge, dazzling revelation, but it is the words of Christ, my friends. It is one of the things that will bring you, first and foremost, the fullness of God inside of your life. Now, here's a really good one, verse 37. It says, yeah, this is a great one, because a lot of people get caught up on this one here. It says in verse 37, judge not, and you shall not be judged. The Bible also says the spiritual man judges all things. So what does it mean to judge? Somebody tell me, what does it mean to judge something? Yeah, yeah, that's a good start. What, is it, what does it mean to judge somebody? Look at, look at some, through the eyes of Christ. What else? Somebody else? Sorry? Yes? Right. Sorry? To form an opinion? Yep. Yeah? It's good. good. Yeah? Great. Anyone else? To sentence... Oh. <laughs> Ella? <laughs> to sentence somebody. To jail. They're all good answers. And uh, we, we can look at the... I mean, the, the whole concept of judgment is an incredible thing. I mean, we have, a, we have a judicial system in our community. We have a judge that presides over a court. What does a judge do? He decides whether you've been naughty or good. <laughs> whether you're guilty or not guilty. So in this context, when we're talking about to, to, to judge, what is he talking about here to judge not? Because um, every day you and I make judgments over things. Every day you even driving in your car, even with people, every day we, you cannot live your life without making judgment over some things. So he's saying here to judge not, but yet our whole life is made full of judgment. So, so what's the go here? What is the guy? What's he talking about? All of us will be in a position where you have to make a judgment of some sort. But the Bible says here to judge not. And often we get caught up in this, this thing that we... The Bible says to, to make a judgment. But I believe what he's talking about here is this. I don't believe that no one here, uh, no person on earth can judge the heart of another person. That is why it's only up to Christ as, as, as the judge to determine who's saved and who's not. It's never up to you and I to say who's saved. It, we, we, when we start, when we get into other point where we're judging people's hearts, um, that's where I believe where the context in which he's saying this. But we can also talk about the context of people's behaviour as well. Sometimes people's behaviour is just darn not acceptable. This behaviour is acceptable. This behaviour is not acceptable. That's making a judgment. This is wrong. This is right. But when we start, to, when we start to make and start to judge people's hearts and start to make um, make make judges on people, uh, make uh, make decisions or make uh, decrees over people's over people's heart over their motives, there, there is a very 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 scary situation to be in. And because no, I don't believe no man except from God Himself. Uh, can judge the heart of a man. I mean, the Bible says that what's in the heart comes out of his mouth, but we don't know what goes on in a person. And I got put in a very, very... Uh, I, got, I learned a really amazing lesson <laughs> over this part here. Uh, how many people have ever been to court? I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. <laughs> how many people have served on jury service before? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I got caught up for jury service, and um, and I was the, I was the uh, what do you call it? What's the name of the person that? The foreman, Sir Foreman, and uh, and uh, so we, we we came into the we came into the courtroom, and I was selected as the foreman, and uh, so we sat down, and they brought the guy out, the the guy out to be who was charged with these offences, and. Uh, they started to rule. They started to. They, they started to uh, read these offences out and started to. There's about four, four charges against the guy, and, and they brought him out. And I looked at him, and instantly in my heart I thought, "You're guilty. You are guilty." After reading those, after reading those, hearing those charges, yeah, yeah. Look at you. Yeah, you're guilty, man. <laughs> you're guilty. Get out the rope. Let's bring the rope. Up. Hang him. <laughs> and 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 so. Uh, and so the court started to, the proceedings took, started to take place. And, uh, and the prosecutor, she was a fiery woman. I would not like to be on the wrong side of her. She was great at her job, though. She came out and she started, she, she came right up in front of me and she was telling her story about how, how nasty this man was and how we should hang him. <laughs> and she gave this very, very compelling story about his life and now has violent tendencies and has violent past and this, that, the other thing. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, baby, this guy's guilty. Let's just, let's just get the thing over and done. Well, let's just proclaim him guilty now. Let's just hang him right now on the spot. I haven't bought the rope. And, um, and so, I was so I was so sure that this guy was guilty. But there's a proverb that says, um, whoever pleads his own cause first always seems right. And... Uh, and I had already made up my mind that this guy was guilty without even hearing the other, other side of the, the other side of the story, and uh, and so, and so by the time that she had finished, I was so I was so sure that the guy was guilty. And uh, so anyway, the defence lawyer gets up, and uh, and starts to go through the starts to go through his side of the story. All of a sudden, you have another side of the story come up, and all of a sudden, I started to learn my lesson, uh, and I sort of think, man, how often. Do we do this in church? How, how often do we do this in our, amongst our own brethren, let alone our own community, that we, we hear uh, a part of the story first and we don't see the full story? We only hear part of it, um, whatever that story is. Uh, and we come to conclusions and we start to make judgments. I mean, heck, I'm a pastor. I did it to this guy. He was unsaved, straight on the spot, man, guilty. And I was guilty of doing that. And I felt the rebuke of God come upon my life. But I was thinking, how often do we do that uh, and as a result, but actually, I'll tell you how the whole thing finished. After I heard the other side, <laughs> I firmly made up my mind, this guy's he's not guilty. And it was a unanimous decision. He's not guilty. The guy was, uh, break, the charges were breaking an entry and things like this. But as it turned out, once we heard the defence lawyer, the guy actually had a key. <laughs> he had authority to access the house anyway. It was, and so, but the, but the point being is, Quite often we make, we make uh, judgments in our hearts so quickly towards one another. Just be, we, we, we just see, see part of the story or, or, or part of a scenario and we make a, 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 a case in our hearts already up against a particular person and say so this person is guilty. How often do we do that inside of our heart? How often do we do that to our neighbor next to us? How often do I do that to the person sitting next to me? How often do I do that to my own, uh, my own brethren? let alone the community that I live in. How often do we get quick to judge? Simply that alone, if we are, and the Bible says, hey, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. And I was thinking about this, and, and I was just reading the story about, and, um, 
in John, in John chapter 8 about the adulterous woman. And, uh, and, and here's a lady that gets caught with the... Uh, she gets caught in the act. I mean, she got caught with her hand in the cookie jar. She was, she was caught. She was guilty. There was, no, um, there was no ifs or buts or maybes about the scenario. She was caught. She was caught red-handed. And, uh, and, and she deserved, she was, she deserved to have the fire of God come down from heaven and burn her. She deserved, the law was that she should be stoned there, right there on the spot. And so she gets brought in front of Jesus. She gets brought out in front of um, all the crowd, still probably getting her clothes back together again. Uh, and she gets, uh, she's about to get stoned and they bring her before Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus looks at her and, and, and starts to, and, and looks at the, and then looks at the ground and starts to write in the sand, write in the sand. And then all of a sudden, his accusers start to leave. He turns to the woman. And he says, "Woman, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers?" And he says, "Hey, don't go and do it again." Now, all of us at some stage will find ourselves in that story. Probably more often, more times than we think. All of us will find ourselves either a in the position of Jesus Christ where we have the ability to be able, or we have the right or the authority to be able to bring condemnation onto a person, or we'll be in the other person's shoes, we'll be in the shoes of the adulterous woman. All of us, without fail, myself included, all of us will be in that position at some point. Now, if you're the person that gets caught in adultery or caught in what you're doing, you deserve the punishment. I mean, you're going to be, want, you're going to be wanting mercy. But many times that we, we, get, we get put in a position where... Um, Another person is about to be stoned or deserves judgment or deserves uh, punishment. How often do we really start to begin to pick up the rocks? And uh, I know in, in theory, uh, we all, oh, no, I don't want to go there. But I, I encourage you to, to examine your own life. And, and I've had to be really, really do some searching of my own heart as to um, where, where people have offended me. And I've had every right to, uh, well, I felt like I've had every right to be able to um, to bring judgment or punishment or whatever. But to know that every one of us needs compassion at some time, every one of us needs a hand of mercy at some stage. The Bible says, condemn not. Jesus says, I don't condemn you, woman. Just go and do it. Where are you? I don't condemn you. Don't go and do it again. And the woman gets set free. That, my friend, is a demonstration of the love of Christ. All of us, at some point in our life, will be in a position where we deserve a good stoning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of us will be in a position at some point where we will think other, that other person next to us deserves a good stoning. <laughs> and for many of us, we'll be holding those rocks in our hands ready to go. And, but I want to ask you this question. I want to challenge you and um, examine your heart. To At some point, you're going to be in that position. Jesus says here, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Another one here, it says, forgive, and you shall be, you'll be forgiven. How often of us, we did a series a little while ago about the bait of Satan and how we allow offenses to get a hold of our hearts. Uh, it's one of those things that I really encourage you, don't just let that series just go by and, and just forget about it. My friend, we've got to learn to be, uh, first of all, forgiving to our brothers and sisters next to us, but we're also going to be forgiving to our own community as well. And uh, at the end of the day, this is this is the nature of Christ that we're that we're not full of judgment, that we're not full of condemnation, that we're full of but we're full of mercy. 
and they were able to release forgiveness to other people. And, uh, friend, when we allow bitterness and, and stuff to get inside of our hearts and to take root, that, that can cause a whole lot of problems. I mean, if we decide in our heart that we will not forgive, that alone um, will cause you a whole lot of problems um, aside, from, uh, aside from a broken relationship with, it, with the person. But at the same time, the very, the very next day, again, we, have a, we can often have that paradox where we ask for God's forgiveness, but yet we're... We're very reluctant in being able to release forgiveness to other people. You know, the Bible, we were singing that song before. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, uh, full of grace. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's forgiven us. That's how far he removed our transgressions from us. And when you see, see, when you and I uh, ask for God's forgiveness and when he releases his forgiveness to us, that's what the Bible says. He, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions or our sins. Uh, but often with our own lives and with the, people's, the people next to us, the distance, uh, it, it's not very far. It's not, it's not quite as far as the east is from the west. It's actually a lot closer to that. Even then it's reluctant, and even then there's a cord attached to it so we can pull the offense back if we need to. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, my friends, it's, this is something that all of us have got to be in a... All of us have to do some a good heart examinations of, of how often do we, or how freely are we able to release forgiveness to somebody that hurts us. Are we reluctant? Uh, but yet when we come to God, we want the full mercy of God without uh, anything withheld. We want all that sin removed from... But yet, are we still... Are we in a position where we can still release that same forgiveness to other people? Just a couple more points. And it says here, forgive and you will be forgiven. And verse 38, and it says, everybody say give. Give. Give and it will be given to you. Give what? <laughs> Anything you like. <laughs> not just about your money. It's not just about this. It's about, it's about the giving of your heart. It's about the giving of your life. It's about the giving of your resources. It's about the opening up of your home. It's about, uh, it's about the sharing of your resources. Now, and in Acts chapter two, when the when the Pentecostal church, the church as we know it today, was first formed, when the when the fire of God came down and and in the church was birthed, one of the things that the Bible says that happened was that everybody had everything in common. It wasn't just about the fire coming down; it's about the sharing of resources one with another as well. And the Bible says that the church, uh, church that the Lord added daily those those being saved to the church. One of the things we're going to learn today is be able to give. Give of our time, give of our resources, give of our energy, give of our heart. Everybody out there needs a little bit of love. Everybody out there today needs a little bit bit of compassion shown to them. Mm. (laughs) Absolutely. What do you give to your neighbor? What do you give? Do you give compassion? Do you give mercy? Do you give a little bit of love to the person next to you? Do you give a bit of love to to the community? Give. Give and it will be given back to you. What does the Bible say after that? Somebody tell me. Give and it will be given back to you. Press down. What does that mean? And, and uh, you know, today I was trying to fill the rubbish bin, and I got and I wanted to get as much into that rubbish bin as I possibly could. And I got up onto that thing, and I was pressing it down. I got, I stood up on my motorbike and jumped onto the rubbish bin to try and squeeze as much as I could get as much stuff as I could get so I could get it absolutely full, press down, shaken together, give that thing a little bit of a rattle and jump on it, get as much as I can, as, as much as I possibly can into that down, 
Given, it shall be given to you. Press down. Man, God wants to get up on top of your life and start to stomp that blessing down into you. Press down, shaken together. And it says, shaken together and running over. Man, my rubbish bin was, was running over, but I'm just using it as an analogy. But man, God wants to put uh, so much blessing into your life that it's overflowing, that you will not be able to contain the blessing of God inside of your life. But comes, give, and it shall be given to you. Uh, a good measure, a good measure, not just a, a little measure, a good measure. I hate, going to a, I hate going to a restaurant and you get a little measure of food. It's like, what the, what the heck? I paid, what, 40 bucks and you give me a stupid little steak like that? That's not a good measure. Go, take that thing back again. Come to my house, I'll cook you a flipping good steak. It'll be across your whole plate. <laughs> give and it'll be a good measure. <laughs> Running over, it will be put into your, uh, into your bosom. Yeah. <laughs> we won't go there. We'll just... I'll leave that up to your own interpretation. <laughs> and the last one here, just as we close here, for with the same measure, everybody say the same measure, that you use, it shall be measured back to you. Yeah, with the same measure that you and I use, with the same measure, with the same measure you and I use with judgment, with the same measure you and I use with, um, with, with our forgiveness, I believe, um, with the same measure that we're prepared to give out, whether it be forgiveness, whether it be mercy, whether it be kindness, whether it be love, whatever, whatever measure you dish out, it shall be given back to you. So if, got, if you want to have the abundant, abundant mercy of God upon your life, then be an abundant giver of mercy. If you want God's judgment upon your life withheld, then don't be so quick to give it. <laughs> if you want to be uh, forgiven a lot of times, because we need to be forgiven a lot of times, <laughs> then forgive a lot of times. <laughs> how, much do me, how much should I forgive? How much do you want to be forgiven? <laughs> it's not rocket science, but it's printed in red. <laughs> it's... It's the words of Jesus Christ. Amen? We just have to be up right now. Why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads?